was dope. Hey guys, tonight we're going to talk about a man who holds a place in history worth talking about. This story is about a unique character whose story is bizarre at the very least. This character is new to me and maybe to you as well. And if not, hopefully you'll learn something new. And as usual, you can find us by searching nerdybones.podbean.com and searching under 3 in History. We can be found on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you can find your podcasts. And henceforth, we bring unto thee his greatest majesty, Emperor Norton. Huzzah! <laughs> I, I tried to join in with you that time, but I couldn't say it fast enough. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, this is the first I've heard of this character, which is a lot of fun for me on this podcast because, like, a lot of times I'm like the one that's like, "Oh, guys, check this out! Check this out!" Yeah. And like, Jake came up with this one, and I had no idea who it was. No, I mean, when yeah. he posted the picture, I was like, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know." That was the point. Yeah, he's like, he's like, any, he's I, like, I told him, I was like, yeah, "I've guessed like ten times," and I kept, keep, I've like second guessed myself like ten times, and I no response. I'm like, motherfucker. I'm not going <laughs> to say people who I guessed because of you guys probably know who they are, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that is definitely not that person." <laughs> So I, won't, I won't say who you guys So you might as well tell these people who we're talking about. Like, well, I never heard of this guy either until yeah. just recently. I have to give a big shout-out to a podcast where I heard from it. It's uh, Totalis Rankium. They're awesome history podcast. They talk about the American presidents, and they talk about the Roman emperors. And uh, coincidentally, it's the presidents one where they talk about this guy. So. Yeah, dude, it's that's a really cool score too. He's like, like when the, just the small stuff you guys have been showing me, like God, this is like, a, <clears throat> like have you ever heard of the dollop? I always tell you guys about the dollop. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't been on the dollop yet. We beat him to it. We hear, <laughs> you hear it first. We beat, we beat the dollop to this guy. <laughs> yeah, we're on record. Go for it. So, uh, yeah, they, they're where I heard that. Uh, that's where I got some of my uh, source material. And then uh, there's EmperorNortonTrust.org. I did uh, History.com, The Strange Case of Emperor Norton I of the United States, and The Lost Frontier. Uh, it's a story from The Lost Frontier, momentous moments in the Old West you may have missed. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm already grinning over here. I'm already all right. I'm like just, come on, man. Give me some information. Okay. Just the pictures of this guy. Lay man. it on me, man. So uh, real quick disclaimer, uh, although he did become a semi-celebrity, uh, many details about his life are, we'll say, a little bit sketchy. Uh, so just a quick background of the time that we're starting in. Uh, England has recently acquired the colony of Cape Town from the Dutch via the Anglo-Dutch Treaty of 1814. That's South Africa, right? I was just going to say, Cape Town is modern-day South Africa. Uh, In short, this treaty was to return territories seized in the Napoleonic Wars to how they were on January 1st of 1803, with Britain keeping possession of the Cape Colony in the southeastern part of Africa and parts of South America as well. Uh, Upon taking possession of Cape Town, the British realized that there was a lot of tension in the area between the mostly Dutch colonists and the locals. Uh, At this time, there had been fighting in the area for going on 40 years between the Xhosa Kingdom, that's X-H-O-S-A, I had to look it up, it's Xhosa, (laughs) and the European settlers. Uh, So the Xhosa were the people that were already living there? Yeah, the South African locals, yeah. So uh, nine wars... Uh, little wars or conflicts would occur in the area in a 100-year span between 1779 and 1879, uh, many of them around two to four years in length. Uh, Anyway, Britain had acquired this region 
and had decided to attempt to ease the tension in the area, so they decided to send a bunch of British settlers to settle between the Dutch settlers and the Kosa. Oh, that, that's always good. To let's, act let, as a buffer zone. Yeah, let, let's add some more people in there. Let's yeah, let's stir the pot yeah, a little bit. Yeah, more. the British will be chill. They'll, yeah, they're gonna come in there. They'll and calm to, everything they're down. They're gonna get in there and try to give everybody a drink, tea, and wear Too wigs many hands and shit. In the cookie jar. <laughs> Calm down, boys. Let's have some tea. Sorry. (laughs) You're good. You're good. Uh, So for just 10 pounds per single adult, 10 pounds for family, or 2 pounds per person under 14 traveling by themselves, they could apply to be a part of this buffer zone, which would go on to be known as the 1820 settlers. Uh, An upward estimate of 90,000 families applied for this opportunity many of which adding that their families were desperate for this chance because they were extremely poor due to the massive unemployment problem in England. What was, I'm sorry, what was the time again? 1820? 1820, yeah. okay. That's about the time this was right now. So uh, just about 4,000 of the 90,000 families were selected. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, scrutinizing, like some people right there yeah it's not well like i have have an image in my head everywhere like they go out to the end of the line like when you're at a concert and they run out of tickets and like they go out to the end like you're done right here yeah like we're done here the rest of you guys go home (laughs) oh i'd be so mad but i have a child yeah (laughs) (laughs) i do too i do too mine's missing a leg (laughs) so uh sarah and john norton were one such family that was selected uh, John was a farmer and a trader, and he had two sons, Louis, or Louis, uh, I'm going to call him Louis, <laughs> and Joshua, age two, and Sarah was currently pregnant with their third son, Philip, who would be born during their three-month trip to Cape Town. Uh, Joshua is the person we're going to be focusing on. So they're all on a trip to Cape Town, and she, is she's pregnant? For three months, yeah. And oh. she, or, well, yeah, that's how long the trip is, three months, and she has the baby on, on voyage. Yeah, so, like, leaving, she's pregnant. Can yep. you imagine being... Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know. In 1820? On a boat. You're obviously on a yeah. boat. Yeah, because I can't even imagine... No, don't know what that's like. Well, don't have so does kids, that... but being pregnant and getting seasick, I would oh imagine. Oh, my God. That's all... Cause... Yeah, but... So does that say that she gave birth on the boat? She gave she birth on have, the boat. Yeah. She did. Uh, man, we're such sissies today. <laughs> oh yeah, she probably had the baby and was up on the dock just doing stuff right away. Anyways, because back sh- then they were like strong. I stubbed my toe and want to call out of work. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Joshua Abraham Norton was born in Deptford, England, which is now the southeastern part of London. Uh, his exact birth date is lost to history. One source uh, listed February 4th of 1818. Another said most likely in 1818, but there's no actual evidence that exists for the exact date. And then his gravestone actually says 1819. Really? Yeah. Uh, so the ship the Nortons were on was led by a man named Thomas Wilson. The leaders of these groups were basically responsible for collecting the deposits, organizing the land settlements, and they would basically be the ones in charge of the group. The ship had 102 families on it. Thomas Wilson raised the price on all the families and kept the profits and just treated them like he was their king. Uh, This caused a lot of tension, and ultimately when they arrived, he just abandoned the families and headed back to Cape Town on the southwest coast. So he just dropped off the 102 passengers and bounced? Just bounced. 102, was it? 102 families, yeah. So 102 families. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was like, hey, it ain't 102. That's a lot more than 102. Yeah. That's probably closer to 300. Uh, So he he just dropped them off on the shore? 
So basically, uh, they had to settle in between oh. the Cosa and the, the Dutch. So I thought, uh, I was like in my head, it was like kicked him off the boat and fucking bounced. Well, no, yeah, it's basically is, and then he headed back to the southwest part of the, the country. Yeah, he probably did. Probably yeah. just lowered his little drawbridge. As soon as, as, soon as he got there, left. they like, yeah. He just it, it was either that or one of those things like, oh, we're here, guys, we're here, guys, and like let everybody off, and they just pulled it fucking the. The dock back up and took off. I just picture in my head like everybody's like off, like looking like, oh look at how this looks, and then you see like, this man the in the wait, back wait. running, Jeff's in the boat, and he... Where's the boat going? Wait. wait. <laughs> Although you know what's funny, I always thought about that with like a boat. You know, I understand a car being like, wait, no, oh no, it's too fast for me. In a but, boat, like, a you're boat, fucked. You're fucked, like, dude. I can row my little boat back. And get back on the boat and kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how slow a boat goes. Well, here's my, like, what, what popped into my head from what you were saying is, like, how fucked you are if, like, you get dropped off on a desert island and, like, an actual speedboat takes off. Oh, no, yeah, that's different. Like, well, no, like, what I'm saying is, like, like okay, so you're dropped off by yourself and you see the speedboat taking off. You can run to the shore, but uh, what else are you going to do? Other than just like watching, just like <laughs> drop down. Wilson. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why my mind went there, but continue the story. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, the Nortons and many other families were taken on wagons to locations about a week or so away from the coast to start their farms. When they got there, many of the families were encouraged by how promising the region looked for their farms. What they were unaware of was that it had recently received an unusual amount of rain over the past few weeks. They also passed by some burned-down settlements, showing evidence that there had been an attempt to settle an area already. Uh, so they're already passing through shit that's been, like, fucked up and used. Already attempted, yeah, and it's not, not looking um, Yeah, good. if I was in any of these families passing by and seeing burnt-down villages or settlements or whatever, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, immediately, this was a bad decision. Well, and it's not like they actually had any real true say where they got dropped off, honestly. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, you, uh, earlier, uh, you'd said that he collected the money for them, so... They're broke as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some of them have money, but he did raise the prices on them. No, so, 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 he, so they paid him? Oh, yeah, and go, he bounced, oh, okay, yeah. I, thought, I thought that it was someone paid him to take them all away. No, no, they, yeah, he collected like all the fares, yeah, something. he collected everything. Oh, wow. So, so far in the story, he's the douchebag, so yeah, far. Yeah, he's yeah. not a very good guy. But that's the last you hear of him. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hopefully there you he go. got hopefully he got scurvy. Or he something. probably did. Yeah, got scurvy. <laughs> uh, for the first year, there were very strict rules about where the settlers could go. Uh, the higher ups didn't want the settlers to give up too quickly and go settle settle in the higher populated areas. They were meant to settle specifically between the Dutch and the Kosa. Uh, unfortunately, the land was not ideal for farming. Not to mention, many of the families had very little knowledge in agriculture. And many of the settlers would eventually abandon their farms and go to nearby Cape Town. That's, dude, could you imagine? Like, think about farming in a place you've never been, an environment you don't know. Same, th same thing happened with settlers here. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It kind of sounded like to me that like they may not even have been farmers to begin with. Well, that's what I'm nah, getting. That's what I'm getting are. at. That's what I'm getting at. It's to be like you, me, and Jake <laughs> going out and be like, okay, we're going to grow fucking corn for a living. I actually what grew do we up do? growing <laughs> stuff like. Corn and yeah, yeah. Should be all right, and stuff. But Jake and I would be like, okay, yeah, be like, it would come when you're trying to raise cattle. I'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> it goes out and it eats grass, well, and I hope that's about it. What, what I'm getting at is, I'm always impressed by the ingenuity of uh, people before us. 
Like the, oh yeah, just, yeah, oh yeah, just being able to get by. Because I can tell you right now, if you plucked me up out of my life and dropped me in South Africa and I had to fend for myself, I'd be fucked. Well, especially in 1820. Yeah, no, dude. Maybe you're a little more prepared in 1820, honestly. But I mean, no. But if you took directly from our life right now and then went to right. 1820, I mean, yeah, one, you know, the, the clothing and stuff. Like, if what if it's not warm enough? I'd be fiending. I'd be fiending for a place to charge my phone. I know oh, this, yeah. it's just so different. I need some Google. Up here. Like, what's going on, man? If someone asks you a question, I'd be like, "Wait, Google Maps." Oh shit! Fuck. That's, well, that's that's like the whole thing with like Army of Darkness when he gets sucked back in time and he's got a he's got a shotgun and a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you got sucked it's my back, boomstick. Yeah, like if you got sucked back in time with one piece of technology, you could take over. But this is not what we're talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it, so Shop smart, as uh, smart. <laughs> so uh, Joshua's father, John, set up a successful ship's chandlery in the city. That's basically a person who sells supplies for ships. Uh, the family continued to grow while in Saf- South Africa, and they did well for a little while. Joshua worked for his father, and when he was around 22, he started his own business, but it did fail. We don't really know much about how or why. Um, There's no telling, like, what the business was? No, it doesn't really say too much there. Um, Just we know that he did start a business that didn't didn't go well. I I bet he uh, he was a professional in tomfoolery. (laughs) Shenanigans. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, By 1840, his father's business began to struggle. Uh, Joshua's older brother, Lewis, had moved, and John uh, wrote him to con- uh, confessing that the business was failing. He didn't have a cent to his name and, in fact, struggled to pay postage for the letter. Oh, that's sad. A couple weeks later, he wrote again saying, quote, Your brother, Joshua, has been the ruin of all the family. He has no compassion or remorse. I'm more like a dead man than anything else. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he he was more like a dead man than anything else? Yeah, Joshua John. was? No, uh, John was more like a dead man than anything else. Jesus. And who, wait, who did he send this letter to? To Lu- the older brother. Oh, man. Yeah. Pretty pretty solid burn. <laughs> uh, is, is the the one they're talking about... Uh, the they're talking about useless. Joshua. Is he the youngest? He's the middle one. Philip was the one that was born... Uh, oh, yeah, on the boat. On the boat, yeah. Okay. Anyways, he and his father weren't really exactly on the best of terms. Then in 1846, things went from dire to outright devastating, as in April, Lewis dies, the older brother. How does Lewis die? We don't really know how. Yeah. Uh, Dude, this is, there's like not a lot of Well, this is fucking early on. I'm sorry. Well, they, they, no, he no, wasn't, I'm not saying anything about oh, you. I'm, I'm, no, just, no. I'm just saying like, wow, this is like, it just shows how... Yeah, they didn't really do the best. Especially in like early Cape Town, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and then uh, in December of the same year, 1846, Joshua's mother, Sarah, dies. Uh, then the following April, a year later after Lewis dies, the younger brother, Philip, who was born on the ship, he also dies. <laughs> Jeez. So uh, John's business and health completely fell apart, and he also dies in August of 1848. <laughs> so so within two years, Joshua, right? Yeah, uh, they, there wasn't a lot of inf- they, he may have had some like sisters or something. They didn't really go too much into anybody else, but because he was the oldest surviving son, he actually inherited the failed business, <laughs> and uh, he decided, having lost his parents and two brothers, he really didn't have any reason to stay in South Africa. 
And so this is 1848. Can you guys think of something that happened in 1848? Oh, no. I can't think of something specific. Something in the U.S. discovered in the U.S.? I don't know. Go. Come on, I don't know. Want, want. Is it the uh, gold rush? It. Yeah, gold, yes. Oh, was I it the gold said, rush? Oh. It, yep. I thought he was giving me like the want, want. Like, no, oh. that, yeah, that's what I thought he said too was oh. I was like gold. gold. So oh. it was the well, gold rush, yeah, huh? Gold yeah, gold rush. <clears throat> let me go. Let me go. Joshua heard of gold, uh, gold being discovered in California and he made his way to the U.S. It is believed he spent some time in South Africa, but again, the details are a little unclear. But he most likely arrived in San Francisco with some money. Uh, there's sources that said he had $40,000, but how much he got that much money, it's kind of unknown. But like maybe from the inheritance, you know, liquidating the business, maybe doing something in South Africa, or sorry, South America, with some gambling or something like that. But we just don't know for sure. But it does appear that he wasn't actually broke when he did uh, arrive in California. How much money did you say he was working with? It said forty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Is that forty thousand dollars back then or back what then. it is now? Back then, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> he was balling. Yeah, he was. Uh, he soon set up his own business, Joshua Norton and Company, working in real estate and imports, as well as a cigar factory and rice mill. Nice. <laughs> well, like, okay, dude, wow. Okay, it all on there. What about the kitchen sink? <laughs> hey, you gotta be. Uh, you gotta be. Dude, he likes some cigars and rice. Yeah. Get yourself set. <laughs> so uh, within three years, he did turn his original forty thousand or whatever it was into two hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. That's basically okay. like having eight million dollars today. Dude, dude, wow. Even two hundred, even two hundred thousand right now. I'll well. take okay, it. Okay, maybe maybe his little emporium there. Uh, Something's working. You know, yeah, yeah, he was successful for sure. Uh, San Francisco had gone from about one thousand people in eighteen forty eight to about twenty five thousand in eighteen forty nine. People from all over the world coming to strike it rich with the gold rush. And then our Mr. Norton arrived in November of 1849 uh, from, in his words, quote, the Cape of Good Hope via Rio de Janeiro and Valparaiso. The so, Cape of Good Hope? Yeah, that's the Cape, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've and heard that before. And Rio and uh, Valparaiso, that's South America, so that's why they think that he may have stopped. Ah, okay. It uh, <laughs> makes me. sense. Because it's like a... It, like, from going from South America to where is he at at that point? California. It, California, yeah, South San America. It, considering he traveled from South America, that's like not far at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Oh, especially on, on boat. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just right there on their, their coastal. Yeah, that's like for him to be considered even travel that far is not even that far fetched, like for him to stop there. No, yeah, back then it was like common to throw, you know, a couple months of your life away just like riding around on the yeah. boat. Sure. Like, yeah. dude, screw that. You stop and party. That's how long it took to travel. I know, yeah, but think think about it. You're, yeah. You live, what, 20 years? <laughs> if like, you're lucky. If you're lucky, you know, <laughs> we know the Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> you're lucky if you cross the river correctly. And if you do cross the river correctly, then, you know, you're stuck traveling still for one, two, five years. Who knows? Right. If you even make it to your destination, like... Dude, screw that. I'd just be like, well, I guess I'm in this little tiny town forever. Yeah, yeah. this is where I live now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're not, if you're lost, just build a house. It can completely improve your situation. Like, <laughs> I'm not you lost. Know, I, I thought about that with some of the, some of like the people who just died along the way when it's like, because they ran out of supplies. It's like, where, when you found that area where you actually had supplies the last time, why didn't you just stop? Say, like, I'm not lost. I live here now. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's how you used to be able to do that. Just go into the mountains and be like, this is my sure, plot of yeah. land now. But well, now you, you cannot what, do that. You had to know what you were doing. Like, one of these days, we'll cover, cover the Donner Party, and that's a... Yeah, that's a, good stuff. That, that's a horrible... That's like, a very horrible story. That's a rough yeah, one. Yeah. The, the book that I have been prompted to read for that is, is called uh, The Indignant Stars Above. So I'll let you know when I read that. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so uh, he soon became one of the richest men in the new city. Uh, you know, he was sitting on eight million bucks, uh, which led to him getting to know other rich people in the city. He became a member of several local clubs and committees. He would stay at the best hotels. He was pretty much on top of the world. He had some pretty extreme opinions for the time and was very outspoken about things that he thought could be improved. To anyone who would listen, he would complain over and over about how slow democracy moved and how unreliable it was, how the Senate was only slowing everything down, that if he were in charge, it wouldn't be a democracy. It would be an empire, <laughs> and it would Here run much smoother. Here we go. Here we go. People started greeting him in the streets, calling him Emperor. <laughs> how, how do you do, Emperor? They'd ask and Jessica, and he'd just smile and go right along with it. Did you know you would embrace the fuck out of that. Hell yeah. You're like, hell yeah, I'm Emperor. And so life was pretty good for him. Then in late 1852, San Francisco was dealing with a shortage of rice. China had banned the export of rice due to a famine, and the price in San Francisco skyrocketed from four cents a pound to thirty-six cents a pound. That's wow, crazy. Wow, that's a lot. Back it was then. no longer the San Francisco treat. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad joke. That's <laughs> fine. No, I like it. It just popped into my head. I'm like, don't say this as I'm saying it. <laughs> ding ding. <clears throat> Joshua saw an opportunity to corner the market. The last ship was coming in from Peru, and that wouldn't be, and there wouldn't be any more ships coming in bringing rice for who knows how long. From Peru? From Peru, yeah. Uh, Joshua mortgaged his land holdings and bought all 200,000 pounds on the ship at 12.5 cents per pound. It was 36 cents. So oh, nice. I uh, stood to make a pretty good profit. Unfortunately, the next day, another ship arrived from Peru. <laughs> and then another one, and with better quality rice. So he blew, he blew his load on the first one. Mm, he tried to arrange to buy that all up, too, but he just couldn't afford to make it happen. Uh, the price plummeted down to three cents a pound, oh. and the new firm. Uh, there are a few firms that were trying to help him out with this investment, and they just backed out and they left him pretty much. And ruined. he didn't have the best rice either. So wait, he he spent all eight million dollars that he had. Well, he back yeah, then I mean he, he more or less. More, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Why would you throw it away on rice? Well, he it's thought to be he, was, yeah, he, he tried to ride the stock market. It was failed. a stock market thing. Is exactly what it was. Yeah, uh, and so uh, he decided to take the matter to court, saying that he had been misled and that it had been he had been given inferior product. Yeah, inferior product. Uh, he went on for three years uh, with him having success in the lower courts, but at a su substantial financial cost. So that's kind of where it all went to. Mm -hmm. Upon appeal, it ultimately went to the Supreme Court, who ruled against Joshua. Uh, the banks foreclosed on his holdings to pay his debt. He filed for insolvency in 1856. What's insolvency? So it's uh, it's uh, when someone is bankrupt, they're insolvent. But when someone who's insolvent, they're not necessarily bankrupt. Uh, bankruptcy is it's the legal legal process for liquidating what property and assets a debtor owns to pay hmm. off their debts, where in insolvency is a financial state in which a person's or company's debts exceed their assets. So, hmm. Can like, you put uh, that in layman's terms, please? It gets wiped out, I guess. Basically, so bankruptcy is the legal process. 
whereas insolvency is a financial state. So it's a, okay, that's, a what I, that's what I thought you were A square to say, is a rectangle, but not a rectangle is a square type of thing. Like yeah, you no, can no, be, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. I was just confused by like, I kind of zoned out. Legal, legal stuff. Legal, legal. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like, yeah. kind of like. I felt like, like you know but... when you're watching a TV show and it wants you to agree to something and say like blah blah blah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. But basically, his debts exceeded the amounts of his assets. Um, so See, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. He's, really... he's still got to owe that money though. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Because he had he had to sell everything he owned and still didn't get, have enough. Courts went after him, and then debtors went after him. Dang. And then within a couple of years, he was living in a boarding house and had pretty much disappeared from the public eye. Damn. Then on September 17th, 1859, so this is three years after he filed for insolvency, uh, he reappeared. <laughs> please tell me, please tell me he was wearing like a funny robe and a, and a hat that was like, just like, like a crown. That's what I picture. You know, like just like this goofball. Just <laughs> he was wearing similar to the picture Sup. of what I showed Sup, you. Sup, fuckers. So... <laughs> He walked into the office of the Evening Bulletin, a local newspaper. He handed them a handwritten message and demanded they publish his proclamation. Oh, God. You ready? Oh, my God. At the peremptory request of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for these last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, Declare and proclaim myself emperor of these United States. This motherfucker. This and in motherfucker. virtue of the authority thereby in me bested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the union to assemble in musical hall on this city, uh, of this city, sorry, on the first day of February next, then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad in our stability and integrity. Dude, he's got a way with words. So he's, 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 your word. he's very eloquent. You, you use your tongue prettier than a $2 whore. <laughs> he, signed the decree, <laughs> he signed the decree Norton the First, Emperor of the United States. Norton the First. That's awesome. And so begins the reign of Emperor Norton. That's dope. He's supposedly I love this guy. I don't know why this makes me think of like the Hamburger King from McDonald's or something the, like uh, that. The hamburger like, it's, like, it's, like it's just total like a joke, you know. That's why that's what I keep picturing is like just this this goofball. Yeah, like I can't believe this is true. He's supposedly the only emperor to use his surname instead of his first name. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Also, when Napoleon invaded Mexico a couple years later, he added Protector of Mexico That's to the dope. name. See? See, go him. <laughs> but uh, after a few... After, I'm behind this guy so far. I'm after about a decade, he, he dropped it during the reign of Maximilian, saying, it's impossible to protect such an unsettled nation. <laughs> <laughs> but he started walking the streets of San Francisco, inspecting the condition of the sidewalks, seeing if any repairs needed to be, uh, needed to be made in the city, and making his statements to anyone with an earshot. See, here's my question. I wonder what medications he should have been on. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Because um, I'd have been his friend, though. I was just going to ask, was, did it say anything of possible mental health issues? There's got to there, be. There's only, there's like, be. they can really only speculate. There's got to be. Either that or he just didn't give a fuck. Like, he had the confidence. Of, yeah, like, you he know, definitely like, had the confidence, yeah. 
I don't see any flaws in his logic. I just pic- picture him going around and like when people come up to him, he just like puts his hand out, kiss my <laughs> ring. <laughs> Calling people his subjects and shit. Yeah. So he'd wear full military uniform. See? This guy's awesome. During the Civil War, he actually alternated between Union and Confederate uniform uniforms so he could appear impartial. But afterward, afterward, he wore a, bu- a blue uniform with gold epaulets, usually pretty well worn, although there are actual recorded instances of his uniform being replaced with a brand new one by the people or the government of San Francisco. No. So the government gave yeah. him a uniform? Uh, like the fire department, they said, was one of them. And uh, they had a couple. Like uh, So they're giving him uniforms. Uh, over the course of his reign, here's yeah, the he, thing. They here's gave the thing. him, they the gave th- him uh, uniforms. So on. here's the thing: is that means that they acknowledge his rank. They do. They acknowledge. They acknowledge. You'll see, man. You'll see. You'll see. Let's say at its very core, they're like, okay, this guy's an emperor. Yeah, yeah, he'll come up. So uh, he also wore a beaver top hat with a large peacock feather, usually with a cane or an umbrella. But he also had a ceremonial sword that he used for special occasions. <clears throat> I did see a picture of that. Yeah. He began making other proclamations or decrees as well, many of them way ahead of their time ideologically, which the newspapers continued to publish. Uh, None of them were actually enacted during his lifetime or even within several decades, but eventually a few were. Uh, He didn't get credit for any of them. Of course not. Uh, At first, they would publish, publish them as a joke, but the people loved it. Dude, I'd be I'd be all about this guy. Uh, one of his first decrees was two and a half months after he declared himself emperor. He ordered the dismissal of Governor Henry A. Wise of Virginia for the hanging of abolitionist John Brown and ordered John C. Breckinridge to replace him. So did they follow through with that? No. Oh, see, that would been so yeah. cool if they did. Yeah, but... It would have been so cool if they did. <laughs> John C. Breckinridge, he was, they were both Confederates, so, I mean, it kind of would have been... A, oh. <laughs> Um, They're both conf- oh, okay. <laughs> but, but the one uh, so Wise had been a national. He had become a national figure and a possible presidential candidate, and wanted to avoid taking any action that would prevent the execution, huh. fearing it would be detrimental to his political career. Say, so we need a character like this today. Hmm? It'd be so much fun. Dude, <laughs> with the way that things are today, if we had someone like that, they'd get voted in. Oh, they would definitely get some po- real recognition. Yeah, it, it just because people are so sick of each side that they just be like, all right, emperor so-and-so. There we go. That's what we need. <laughs> he doesn't I, sound like a bad guy. No. I mean, th- you know, that's not that bad of a decree. I mean, like, I can understand where you'd want to, you know, keep that hush-hush because that could have some really bad repercussions for you. But at the same time, it's understandable why he would do it. Sometimes you got to have your opinion out there. <laughs> Uh, as the U.S. was on the brink of civil war, Emperor Norton decreed that he had dissolved the Union altogether in favor of an absolute monarchy, Monarchy, with, of course, him as the leader. So he dissolved the uh, Yeah, yeah, of okay, course. Okay. He called for streetcars to be properly maintained and for them to be affordable and for anyone to be able to ride them, including the black and Chinese people uh, of this population. See, like he said, ahead of his time. Yeah. He called for Congress to be dissolved, adding that the union is abused, uh, quote, I should say, the union is abused, that fraud and corruption prevent a fair and proper expression of the public voice, that open violation of the laws are constantly occurring caused by mobs, parties, factions, and undue influence of political sex. See, he doesn't have bad things to say. No. You know, it's funny. Some of it it's made a lot of sense. Talking about that right now, it, it's like that's all kind of relevant even in this yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's what makes him. 
It's like so far, you know, like he's an oddball, but he's not crazy. No, yeah. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe maybe he wasn't even that odd. He just did that because it's what helped him get the recognition. Yeah, maybe just saying like I'm the emperor. That was just like his way of getting attention. Well, they named him the emperor. He he didn't he didn't name himself, right? It was a he, nickname yeah, that he, he kind of came up with the idea of being an emperor, but, but they, they started they, nicknaming. Yeah, him. they nicknamed yeah. the emperor, and then he's like, he's just okay, fucking I'll went with one. it. Yeah, he said, all right, that's cool. what I would do. <laughs> Another one of his proclamations, I'll read fully. Uh, printed August twelfth of eighteen sixty nine. Uh, he started going plural. It says, "We Norton the first. De gratia, that means by the grace of God, <laughs> emperor of the United States and protector of Mexico, being desirous of allaying the dissensions of party strife now existing within our realm, do hereby dissolve and abolish the Democratic and Republican parties. Oh, my God. And also do hereby decree disenfranchisement and imprisonment for not more than 10 nor less than five years to all persons leading to any violation of this imperial decree. That's crazy. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. <laughs> the, the fucking balls on this fucking guy. Fucking A, man. He said, fuck it, get rid of it all. <laughs> and, and yeah, like no, no filter. No. And I guarantee you he meant He it. meant it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it is interesting to think. How would people react to someone who did something like that today? Well, I've been trying this whole time. I've been trying to think of somebody to compare him to, and I really can't think of somebody. That's tough, man. Yeah, no, yeah, someone <laughs> who's one trying of a to kind, come up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one amazing story happened in 1867, so a couple of years before that last one. Uh, a rookie special officer, I say that with quotes, because <laughs> uh, one source said they were basically just security guards hired by businesses to be on lookout duty. Uh, that he arrested Emperor Norton as he was reading in a hotel <laughs> lobby with a charge of vagrancy and attempted to have him committed as a lunatic. Oh, my God. The charge of vagrancy was dropped because Norton had money in his pocket and a key to his room in the hotel. And the police chief released Norton after thinking better of the lunacy charge, but the people of San Francisco were pissed. <laughs> the evening bulletin printed this. Uh, quote, in what can only be described as the most dastardly of errors. Oh, God. Joshua A. Norton was arrested today. See, the people loved him. That's oh, yeah. Loved him. He's being held on the ludic ludicrous charge of lunacy. <laughs> known and loved by all true San Franciscans as Emperor Norton, this kindly monarch of Montgomery Street is less a lunatic than those who have engineered these trumped-up charges. As they will learn, his majesty's loyal subjects are fully apprised of this outrage. Perhaps a return to the methods of the vigilance committees is in order. Uh, this newspaper urges all right-thinking citizens to be in attendance tomorrow at the public hearing to be held before the Commission of Lunacy, Wingate Jones. The blot of the record of San Francisco must be removed. Dude, I love this guy. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. Like he's got. I picture him being in like jail and just kind of like sitting there all proper, just like, waiting. You know, like, like you know, kind of dusting off his coat. Just They'll like, be yeah. here soon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> being like you guys just wasting your time. And here's the thing: is it's like he got a following because he's not a bad guy. Well, he's a good guy. Like he's he's weird, but he's everything he's been saying so far is he's trying to do good for the people. Mm -hmm. Another paper, the Daily Alta, wrote, "Quote." Norton was in his day a respectable merchant, and since he has worn the imperial purple, he has shed no blood, robbed nobody, and despoiled the country of no one. 
which is more than can be said of any of his fellow in that line. <laughs> Emperor Norton forgave the young officer, in fact, even issuing him an imperial pardon. Don't do, that's awesome. <laughs> After that, when police officers saw Norton on the street, they would salute him. See, see yeah. That's, dude, yeah. Dude, that's so cool. Like, and Because here's the thing is, I always like to say that there's quality crazy. Like, you get your crazy people, but then you get your quality crazy people. They, like, you get something out of, there's nothing wrong with, you know, they're not hurting anybody, but they're great to be around, and that's a quality crazy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he soon was one of the most well-known people in the city again. Shops started selling Emperor Norton dolls and that's postcards, awesome. cigars, and other memor- memorabilia. Theater owners reserved a seat for him on opening night. There was even a comic opera called Norton the First that opened in San Francisco on September 17th, 1861. So just two years after he declared I himself emperor. I would be emperor. really interested to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that same year, uh, the first local directory enlisted his profession as emperor. That, dude, every, the more you say it. Imagine that. When you, did, you filed your taxes and then asked to your job, you can put emperor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Restaurants occasionally gave him free meals if he gave a seal of approval by saying, quote, by, approve, uh, by appointment of his imperial majesty, Norton I. Dude. And some places started accepting notes Imper- uh, Emperor Norton had printed as IOUs in denominations from 50 cents to $10. The notes promised 7% interest payable in 1880. Uh Originally, they weren't worth the paper they were printed on, but now they're actually worth thousands of dollars. I bet. Uh, he is also credited in one source as being the original person to dub someone queen or king for a day. Basically, if someone, especially children, had dumb, done him a favor or maybe he was just having a bad day and he could use some cheering up, he'd dub them queen for a day. Or That's pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, you, met, you know, a kid who's already heard of this guy and they're like, how great he is. Like, and yeah. then they're like, and then oh, queen. That, yeah, dude. Like, you this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> All of the other kids would be like, but, but I wanted to. <laughs> See, like, I'm repeating it, but like, if we had somebody like that in your own neighborhood... Just in your neighborhood, they'd be awesome. It's such a cool, like, to hear a, char- a character like that. We don't get enough of those kind of people in history. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just known for being a weirdo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but he's a good. He's generally a good guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, we never know. There's a lot of sketchiness to to this. Like, not sketchiness, but you know, what I'm saying there's a lot of holes in it. So we don't know. Maybe he there's a couple uh, and. Uh, What's called um, Totalis Ranking actually mentions a couple of the two or three that he go he had that were not the they didn't age that well but um, I I didn't actually include them but it, it really wasn't a lot it was just it's it's a lot of good a couple little bad things but I I didn't include <laughs> the two bad ones um, we're just gonna go with the happy little trees yeah he's here. a good he's a good dude happy yeah. little trees he w- one of them was he wanted um, Chinese people to give up their uh their not the the per, they wanted to all ha, he wanted everybody to to be on the same page no it's okay he wanted everybody to be on the same page as far as religion so he he wanted people to all have the same like basically all be christian or, uh, or, okay so uh. it, and it was just for unity it wasn't for he, he he didn't really care about who they worshiped or anything but he just wanted it all to be on the same page interesting uh, th- so that was the only one I, I, I know there was one or two others, but, uh, so some of Emperor Norton's other decrees were as such. He wanted public 
schools to be open to everyone, not just the whites. He felt women should be allowed to vote. Thank you. He talked about how people of color weren't getting proper uh, trials, that they weren't allowed to testify in court. See, that's huge. Yeah, this is all stuff that, you know. he He was ahead of his time. He talked about corruption in the Native American Affairs Department, saying that agents should be publish, published publicly for frauds against the Native Americans. Holy shit. Yeah. Dang. He decreed that there should be a bridge going from Oakland Point to Goat Island and thence to Telegraph Hill, and a few months later decreed that a tunnel be built under the bay. There is a bridge there now. It's the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. Sometimes it's confused for the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, but it's actually the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. Uh, a little more on that later, but uh, it didn't start construction until 1936, and San Francisco has their subway system known as BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit. BART. But, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that began like construction in 1972. Yeah, it was in 1972, so even both of them were much, much after at, uh, Emperor Norton's decrees. Uh, one of the funnier decrees says, quote, whoever, after due and proper warning, shall be heard to utter the abominable words Frisco, which has no linguistic or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor and shall pay into the imperial treasury as penalty the sum of $25. You <laughs> can't say Frisco. <laughs> uh, there were other eccentric characters in San Francisco at the time, as you can imagine. One San Francisco. Yeah. One of which was a man named Frederick Coombs, or sometimes Willie Coombs, and sometimes known as George Washington II. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. He, he was a successful photographer and sometime, uh, and possibly a phrenologist. Phrenologist? It's uh, someone who measures bumps on your head to predict uh, mental I've traits. seen those. Yeah. They have those weird <laughs> tools. It like, looks like a big uh, protractor. I've heard <laughs> of that, and I was like, I remember it made me feel my head. I'm like, my head's not that bumpy, so what are they going to read? You have an abnormally shaped skull. <laughs> you guys have all seen it. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty rounded. Uh, no, uh, I'm talking about the, it's like that thing that they put on your head. It's like a calipers. claw. Calipers. Okay. That's what, <laughs> I was just trying to think of that word the whole time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where it was like literally that whole thing was circling around trying to think of that word. Uh, so he, uh, Willie Coombs or Frederick Coombs, George Washington II, he apparently strongly resembled the first president who had no biological children of his own and had a reputation, uh, perhaps self-titled, for being well-liked by the ladies. <laughs> he also would issue proclamations. I'm self-titled well-liked by the ladies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, he also would issue proclamations. Norton was not a fan of that. Uh, Norton tore down some posters that Coombs had put up, and Coombs reported Norton to the police, but the police said it wasn't a criminal offense, so their hands were tied. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Dude, I could just totally picture this, because like, back then, I'm thinking like people who like, slapped their face with a glove. Yeah. I challenge you to a duel. Probably yeah. just like, a little past that, but not by much. Like, very, very But do you know true. what I'm saying? Like, I see these two like getting together and be like, <laughs> gentlemen, <Yeah. laughs> gentlemen, you know, like, like just like, just, yeah, like, like, just you know, still being ten cool paces, about it, ten paces in turn. But you know, they want to like tear at each other, but because of their gentlemen, they won't do anything about it. So but, it's fart in your general direction, exactly. <laughs> your mother was a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Coombs decided to sell the story to a local paper, the Alta California. To help pay for a civil action against Norton. <laughs> for taking the posters down? Oh, yeah. 
The newspaper asked Emperor Norton, uh, asked why Emperor Norton would do this, and Coombs replied that he's jealous of my reputation with the fairer sex. <laughs> what is he, Pepe Le Pew? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> the newspaper thought this was hilarious. With the fairer sex. <laughs> and a few days later, they published a story making fun of both of them. Both men were furious and demanded a retraction, but Norton went a step further. He issued a proclamation ordering the chief of police to, quote, seize upon the person of Professor Coombs, falsely called Washington Number 2, as a, sedition, uh, as a seditious and turbulent fellow, and to have him sent forthwith, for his own good and the public good, to the state lunatic asylum for at least 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after Coombs left the city, likely to New York. Oh, God. He's like, there is only room said, for one this. silly man in this yeah. town. I'm going to go to another sillier city. <laughs> in 1865, another man named D. Stellifer Moulton proclaimed himself a monarchy and dubbed himself Stellifer the King, reigning prince of the House of David and guardian of Mexico. Oh, no. <laughs> He, was, he wasn't in San Francisco. I think he was in New York or something. Still, but I see problems. He was a very well-educated man, but unlike Norton, was looked as completely insane. Uh, Emperor Norton was also of the House of David, and <laughs> obviously he was already the protector of Mexico. Yeah, so like, let's see. There's, there's a conflict of interest here. So, so he proclaimed, quote, down... There's a lot of exclamation points in this one. Down with usurpers and impostors. Off with his head. So much for cooking's other people's goose. <laughs> the legitimate authorities of New York are hereby commanded to seize upon the person of one Stellifer, styling himself king or prince of the House of David, and send him in chains to San Francisco, California, for the trial before our imperial court on various charges of fraud alleged against him in the public prints. Jesus, dude. <laughs> like every time, like every time I think I've hit the like the top of what this guy can was gonna say. I can just picture him writing these things too. Well, he, like, like be this, like so seriously writing it, like you know, just because he's so upset. I'll show him. Yeah, <laughs> explanation point, explanation point. You know, he's like just worked up, and just oh, fucking yeah. writing really fast and hard. Or, or, or you know what? Like, would be awesome is like, what if he? What if this is all like funny to him? Right. Like, what, what if he's just thinking of? Things? What if the he's joke's like, you know on what? us? Yeah, he's like, next, I'm gonna try this. Let's see if this works. <laughs> you know, so he's just giggling while he's writing that letter. I would be if I was writing that. <laughs> a few other interesting uh, Norton stories. He sent several letters to the king of Hawaii, King Kamehameha V. King Kamehameha V actually really liked the emperor and towards the end of his reign refused to recognize the U.S. State Department, saying he would only deal with representatives of the empire. That's so fucking cool. That's pretty dope. He also wrote Queen Victoria. He was backed by King Kamehameha. Kame That's yep, pretty dope. That is... He also wrote Queen Victoria several letters, <laughs> suggesting they get married to strengthen ties between the two countries. I'm sure that went well. She would never respond to him, though. Of course not. Another rumor. <laughs> another rumor. It's like Danny DeVito writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another rumor suggested he was the son of Napoleon III, as he did resemble him a bit. Napoleon III was only about four years older than him, though, so dates don't, dates don't really work out. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind, He's huh? like, I don't understand what. <laughs> Time is. 
there was also a story about a local mob of white men that were harassing some Chinese people, and Emperor Norton stood in the middle of the street, head bowed and praying, and eventually the mob dispersed and no one was hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird story, but... He, he, um, he prayed the thugs away? He pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it works. I guess there we go. Prayer does work in certain situations. You got to be this badass. uh, You got to walk in with some real confidence and start praying for for people to be like, don't fuck with that guy. I couldn't pull it off. Hell no. I'd start laughing first. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. I I would keep a straight face to walk out there, but as soon as I went to start praying, I'd crack up and be like, yeah, that just is all ruined. I don't know what I'm doing here, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd retract this immediately. So uh, then one rainy evening, a Thursday, January 8th of 1880, the emperor left to attend a monthly debate of the Hastings Society. As he reached the corner of California and DuPont, which is now Grant Avenue, uh, just across the street from his destination, Emperor Norton grabbed at his chest and collapsed. Oh, no. An officer saw him and tried to get uh, medical help, but minutes later he was gone. Uh, it was called an apoplexy, which is pretty much used any time back then. A person died suddenly with loss of consciousness. Uh, apoplexy? Yeah. It's kind of like, st- like now they use it like for a stroke. stroke. Yeah, but uh, an autopsy was performed, and reportedly everything appeared mostly normal. It was disco- discovered he died of a heart attack. He just died from being oh. too awesome. Pretty much. Uh, As many as 10,000 people visited the morgue to view Norton as he lay in state, although only about 30 mourners followed to his burial site. Dude, wow. What a story. There's still a little more. Oh, my God. A little bit more. Uh, The Chronicle wrote this. This is a little bit longer, but I wanted to read the whole thing uh, about his passing. It said, quote, uh, his, his funeral took place yesterday afternoon from the undertaking establishment at number 16 O'Farrell Street. All the afternoon, the remains lay in state in the rear room of the morgue. Thousands flocked thither for a last look at the man whose peculiar, uh, peculiarities of mind, garb, and person had rendered him familiar to all. The man of imaginary majesty narrowly escaped burial in a plain redwood box. Some people have unkindly surmised that his hallucinations was simulated and that he had adopted his strange life as a cover of a miserly hoard of unaccountably acquired wealth. When his effects were searched, it was found, as his best friends knew, that he had no means. On his person was found five or six dollars in small change, which was all his store. He has no personal effects of any value. And but for the kindly remembrance of people whose means who knew Norton and had business relations with him many years ago when he was a citizen of substance and standing, he would have had a a pauper's funeral at the city's expense. A subscription paper to to, uh, procure a funeral fund was drawn up and taken to the Pacific Club where the sponsors soon had all the money they deemed necessary. That's really cool. After the autopsy Friday, the body was prepared for burial. It was clothed in black robe with a white shirt and black tie and placed in a neat rosewood casket, trimmed handsomely but without elaboration. The general interest felt in the deceased was soon manifest. Early in the afternoon of Friday, people who remembered the singular old, ki- old man kindly, many of them gratefully and affectionately, began to, call, began to call and ask to be allowed a last glance at the familiar face. Early yesterday morning, the stream of visitors to the beer began. By 7 o'clock, quite a number had dropped in. 
some of them laborers who had got off the car on the way to the shops to take a last look at the remains of one, uh, one who none remembered save with kindly feelings. <laughs> Others were businessmen who stopped on their way downtown for a similar purpose. Soon the number began to increase and there was a, st a steady stream of people pressing through the office to the little back room where the remains lay in a state taking a last glance at the features and filing out at the side exit to make room for the constantly increasing throng of visitors. That's crazy. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. By noon, there were hundreds of people gathered on the sidewalk waiting their turn. <laughs> Policemen were called in to regulate the entrance. The visitors included all classes from capitalists to the pauper, the clergymen to the pickpocket, well-dressed ladies and those whose garb and bearing hinted at the social outcast. However, the garb of the laboring man predominated. That's awesome. That's, yeah, the, the, that's really cool because it showed that he was someone for the people. Well, yeah. that's, they, that's probably why they loved him so much. Everyone else was too political, and he was kind of right down there, down to earth with him. And he affected a lot of lives. He yeah. Really did. <clears throat> with uh, prayer. <laughs> with prayer with helped. With prayer. Uh, five years later, another man who lived in San Francisco for a time with Emperor Norton, a man named Samuel Clemens. Have you ever heard of him? I have heard the name Samuel Clemens. I've heard Clemens. the name, but I have no idea who it is. He published a book called The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, oh, Mark well, Twain well, I, I feel is what you may know him. Very stupid right now. I knew that as soon as you said. Well, I mean, it's a true As question. soon as you said published, I was, I was like, ah. Oh. The Delusional King and the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn is based on Emperor Norton. That's awesome. <laughs> in 1934, San Francisco moved a bunch of graves into Woodlawn Cemetery a few miles south of San Francisco, and Emperor Norton's grave was among those that were moved. About 200 people attended. This is 54 years after his death, so it's not oh. too bad. But this reburial ceremony included full civic and military honors, which included a 21-gun salute, which is an honor that's reserved for presidents and ro uh, reigning royal family members. See, I support that. I support I, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I support that. All the way to the end, man. Yeah. yeah. He was just that I think awesome he, guy. He's just got good juju all the way around, if you ask yeah. me. Because in this whole story, I haven't really, other than like whatever you just chose to leave out, but I haven't heard him do anything really that bad. No. I mean, anything. it's just basically, if you want to arrest him for being eccentric... <laughs> See, he's like the he like to me he strikes me as like if you had a conversation with him you, with him and he disagreed he'd be like poppycock. <laughs> yeah, you know that's exactly what I was trying to get at earlier. That exactly. <laughs> poppycock. And uh, finally, uh, uh, as I stated earlier, there was uh, there'd be more about the Bay Bridge that Nor Norton decreed. In September of 2013, a campaign was started by John Lumea to have Emperor Norton Bridge added as an honor <laughs> honorary name. Uh, several bridge systems in California have added additional honorary names. So, like, maybe the west part will have one honorary name and the east will have another. Uh, so it'd still basically be the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge, but the western section is named for former Mayor Willie Brown, but the eastern section is unnamed. Oh, he needs to have it. As of right now, the campaign's focus is on next year, 2022, which will be the 150th anniversary of his uh, <laughs> proclamation for the bridge. I would vote if uh, if I lived there. I would totally yeah. vote for that. What That's a cool story, cool. man. Yeah. That's it. That's a, what a cool character. I have never heard of the guy. I, neither did I until, I, like I say, Totalis Frank. I mean, they're, they're really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, big they shout got, out to those guys. Some, uh, yeah, thanks. I learned a lot about the presidents, and I mean... 
Dude, listen to the Caligula, the Caligula one yeah. and the Roman podcast ones. Awesome. But where can you find them? You can find them on pretty much any platform. Oh yeah, they're they're pretty well uh, established actually. They're nice, nice. Podcasts. So yeah, dude, thanks for putting an episode together. That was awesome, Definitely. man. It was fun. And then uh, Zolana's got one coming up pretty soon as well. If you want to plug that. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth Bathory is pretty much done. So hopefully maybe next week. And then I'm working on Civil War surgery. I got a Hell yeah. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. But the, the images so far, like I told you, I saw the, found the one guy with the hammer arm. That and, uh, one yeah. is awesome. That's totally yeah. just like a lot of people's dreams to have bionic type yeah. arms. And then the guy was telling you about that, the, the peg leg that could fire a shotgun shell. Yeah. Pretty, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's just when I end up getting up to amputation and stuff like that. So nice. But yeah, you want to send us out? Yeah. Again, you can find us by searching nerdybone.podbean.com and search under three in history. We can be found on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find your podcast. And again, I think I said search nerdy bone instead of nerdy bones, so there is an S at the end of that. Lots of bones. So, yeah, lots of bones. So nerdybones.podbean.com is what you're going to want to search. And again, look in three in history. Sweet. Well, thanks again for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye. My name is Joshua Norton the first. Some laugh at my colorful clothes. But I am the Emperor of these United States, the protector of all Mexico. For 40 years I've dined in the finest and slept in luxury hotels for free. I have no need for federal banknotes. I prefer to print out my own. I hereby abolish the Republican and Democratic parties and charge the president with high treason. Try him, and if found guilty, behead him or send him to polish my boots.